This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So, you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So, whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show where I welcome Andy Shalef. And Andy is a multiple award-winning author known for his ability to explore the depths of the human experience through captivating storytelling. And his latest book is about human connection and relationships. And today, Andy and I dive into how to build deeper, more meaningful connections. And it was almost like a bit of a therapy session for me and him as well, where at various points we share personal stories that I think will be very helpful for you guys. It was certainly helpful for me, selfishly, to go through an incident that happened between me and another individual. It wasn't in the form of a romantic relationship, but it could be applied to romantic relationships or really any relationship in your life. And Andy talks about being vulnerable and and how that can open us up to deeper connections and tools to do that and apologizing and then self-love. And he gives some really great tools. I certainly have some homework on how to accept ourselves more and accept our behaviors. And he has a a really unique mantra that I know I'm excited to apply to my life. I kind of already have through our conversation that I was doing the mantra with him and in my mind and and it was already helpful. So I think you guys are going to love it. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy today's show. Andy, thanks so much for joining me on the show today. Great to be here. Today, we're going to talk about developing deeper, more meaningful connections. And in the pre-show, we were talking a bit about a distinction between, you know, friendships, coworkers, and romantic relationships. And, and you said that in your book, you actually don't make a distinction. And I love that. And you know, there's a lot of threads through all relationships. And, and I shared with you, I think I found in my personal life, developing meaningful, deep connections with my friends and family has been just as fulfilling and newer to me an important emphasis on that as previous romantic relationships. So can you talk a little bit about that choice to not make the distinction? And I want to dive into the uh, developing deeper connections, not necessarily romantically. Yeah, well, I'd love to think that every relationship I have is a bit romantic. And 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 in a way, the romance for me is almost when I feel a bit like I'm on the verge of tears, because whatever I'm going to say feels like it's so connected to something important to me. So, um, so just 
you know, I spent, uh, you know, uh, my background is very much attached, like all of ours, to our history. And my history was having an abusive father who was very verbally abusive. So I spent a good, you know, the majority of my life protecting myself. And I protected myself by not being vulnerable because, you know, it's scary to be vulnerable when you can't trust that the person you're vulnerable with isn't going to meet you there. So um, the way I, I learned to protect myself was then obviously not to be vulnerable. That was how I how I navigated the world. And so when I started to build up a little bit more confidence that I might also get rejected, I, I might. But the cost of not being vulnerable became too great for me. And I just said, no, I'm, I'm not going to show up in the world and not let people know how I'm really feeling. So um, so that that bled into all aspects of my life. And it also meant that way of being defined what environments that I'd flourish in and what environments I'd just not necessarily suit that that way of being. So um, to to the to like the, the question of when I started being more vulnerable, of course, the, the people who aren't used to it got confused because all of a sudden like who are you what happened to the old one it was much easier as for for us to navigate that that one than than you maybe and for some people for other people they were like wow finally we get to see you so the my family you know i have two brothers that are lawyers and uh and my both of my my um parents had had did, did died in you know say five plus years or so um and working, say, for instance, with family was basically, you know, I've had to give it like an equated to somebody who'd be like coming out and saying like, I'm gay, you know, like, like I'm honestly, this is the real Andy. (laughs) This is me, you know, like, like I am like going to be sarcastic. I am going to cry at what might be inappropriate moments. I'm going to laugh at things that you might not think are funny to laugh at. But this is honestly how I am. And and, and I saw for in some ways, because, you know, them, they're very, uh, uh, they're more, um, I guess I would say more traditional in, in, in this, in the way that they, they would see or experience the world. And I would be sometimes just a little bit out there. I was the black sheep. But in time, they began to feel and understand my way of being. And I, I feel we got a lot closer because I gave them a chance to see me finally. And that, that, that's how I see that, that relationship flourished. It's a long answer to the question, but it's fun to answer. No, it's great. And I love this thread because you touch on a couple things. One, this transformation in yourself. And, and I want to talk about that. And, and I love how you said you, you think of all of your relationships as a bit romantic and, Personally, in the last couple of years, I, I made a very intentional choice to try to develop more meaningful connections with friends and family because I felt that was lacking. And I felt that most of my adult life, I had put so much focus on my romantic relationship. And we talk a lot about that on this show in tools, communication and the bedroom, you name it. But I found that the more I've been able to develop those friendships in meaningful ones, the less pressure it's put on my romantic relationship when I'm in partnership right now, I'm single and when I'm single as well, because I don't 
feel as much of a need for connection that I was mostly getting out of my romantic sexual partner, which is fine. But when that's the the only source of that energy, which we need as a human, then it's a lot of pressure on there. And it's really beautiful the way you describe being more vulnerable with your family. And I just want to encourage our listeners and I want to go through the specifics of your story to to pull back and to think about all the relationships in your life and how can you improve them, whether that's being more vulnerable, starting with being more vulnerable with your romantic sexual partner, or maybe even better is with your closest friends. And can you talk about the steps that you took to to become more vulnerable and open up or that and also like that realization of like, hey, I haven't really been myself. Yeah, I think, you know, it's always steps we make, right? There's a, there's a realization. I think some of the best realization is like if we've had four or five bad relationships, then you say, well, the only thing consistent in all those relationships was me, right? That's the sort of, that's sort of like a basis of like, well, okay, maybe I should be thinking about how I'm showing up in relationship to others. So that, that was maybe an early, say that happened maybe 15, 20 years for me was like, okay, Andy, there's, you got to do some work here. Um, and I think as you, as you do the work and, you know, you're peeling away every layer of the onion, you know, you're also peeling away parts of ego because there's things I don't want to be seen a certain way. I don't want to accept that that's also me. And, um, and so it's funny if I narrate my life a bit, I've written three books now fourth that's going to also come out, but the first book was my spiritual memoir called The Last Letter. And it was really about how I like saw each of the identities of myself shape and then how it d- disappeared or died because an identity loss or an, a losing of it, it feels like a, a death. So in a way, to start to feel like you can be vulnerable, actually, you are easier when you're not protecting part of you because I can... If, if if I'm worried that you're going to attack me on any level, then it's going to be harder for me to be vulnerable. So the only way, not the only way, let's say, but the the way in which it's easier is I'm like, wow, I'm okay with whatever happens because I've made peace with everything in myself. So I can say I love you with all comfort because I've dealt with all this stuff. Says, well, what if he takes it the wrong way? What if he attaches to me? What, you know, like all these things that are pointed at my own identity. And so that first book was really a beautiful way to, in, in writing about all these things, I didn't even want in the public domain. I mean, I just said, you're going to know everything because I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And that was the, that, the last letter. And then after that, I wrote the next book, which goes a little bit to that next step, which was about radical self-love. And uh, I, uh, I took a trip across America for three months, and I, I sat with 40, no, 40, no, 60 groups. I, even saying it makes me want to throw up. Like, I mean, just from the just exhaustion of it. But I asked groups to write a letter to a loved one as if it would be the last letter they'd ever send them. And I did that 60 times back to back just driving from Los Angeles to Miami across to just one session, next session. And, and the thing I promised myself is that I would never step away from the emotions that I suppressed 30 years earlier because my mom died. She was killed by a drunk driver when I was 18. And, and that single moment was when I really had to push down my emotions to survive. 
So it really said at 30 years later, I'm going to use this opportunity to not step away from the pain. And the pain is if you're in front of a group of 30 people, you tell the story and you cry societally. We're like, you're not supposed to do that. You're just not supposed to do that. And so what I what I swore or said, I said, the one thing I'm not going to do, it spent me 30 years to get her. I am not going to step away from the pain. So I cried even now as I talk about it, I could cry because it came so much emotion from that that trip still I can feel inside of me. So that was a dedication to that. It's amazing how much energy is freed up when we stop trying to be something. It's kind of what I hear. And even if it's stop trying to be strong and not cry, like that takes a lot of energy. And there's reasons that we do it. But when you start to let those things go and be more vulnerable, it's scary at first, obviously, but then one, it's, it's like more loving towards ourselves. We're allowing ourselves to feel and it allows others to relate more authentically with us because we're showing up as our full self. And we put up all these walls and, and we have certain identities for so many different reasons. And what's interesting is when we start to realize, like, because we can go through years and years and just wearing this mask and not even, it's just so much a part of us that that's all we know. And, and we move that way. And that's why I love conversations like this and people sharing stories like you are, because it's valuable to have that reminder to, to look at ourselves and go, all right, well, what am I doing here? And why do I feel that way? Oh, I'm, I'm scared of being vulnerable. I'm scared they'll say no. And when we start to remove that and live more courageously, authentically, it's really fulfilling. And we have more meaningful connections. And just this week, I'm, I'm thinking of an instance where I have two really close guy friends and they're by far my closest friends. One moved away and he reached out with a, a video just saying how much he missed us. And it was super vulnerable and beautiful. And we're, we're pretty open with each other like that. And, and it opened up this dialogue because he was he was hurt about something. And it was very vulnerable and courageous of him to do that. And then what that allowed me to do is I was kind of holding on to some things in relation to he and I's relationship because he moved away and I had a, a bit of resentment. But that kind of like allowed me to go, oh, I, like, I'm going to share and not to as a counterpoint, but because he opened up this door of vulnerability and it, it was inspiring and, and, and felt safe. I think especially as men, we can suppress our emotions. Anyone can do that. And then it just kind of like unlocked this tension in my heart. And we haven't even, we're, we're going to circle up tomorrow and, and have a, a Zoom and, and all talk. But imagine all the connections we have in our history. And if each time we're, we're kind of putting up little walls or we're saying, oh, no, we can't, we can't cry as it relates to that. Like it, it builds up. And the more we can, you use that metaphor of peeling the layers back, the more we can do that and just show up as, as who we are, it's going to be easier on us. And we're going to have more meaningful connections for, for reasons like I just described, because people will then go, that will hopefully allow them to open up. By the way, it might be also nice to share as I'm listening to you, like we have a short time and there is one practical tool that I use pretty much throughout my life and in everything I do. And it would maybe be nice to leave that with listeners um, because it's um it's a tool I, I write extensively about in the second book that I wrote, The Wounded Healer. And um, and it's called a, a journey in radical self love, um, and uh, the the tool was I basically interacted with say call it 
10 different archetypes. And, and I asked them to say the thing that they were struggling to share most or acknowledge in themselves and follow it with, and it's effing great. And so, and, and the idea is that as you, as you can imagine, whatever you resist persists, whatever you cannot make peace within yourself never goes away. So the hardest thing is to make it so that thought does not influence in you anymore. It does not. In, and so it's, it, it's a counterintuitive a lot because people would say, well, you know, like, let's take the harshest of examples. I was molested by my father and it's effing great. And then you can hear the listeners screaming, it's not effing. You can't say that. You can't. And, and you don't say it because you want to elevate it and make it great. You say it because in allowing your brain not to get fixated on how horrible it was, you come back to equilibrium and I'm just present again. I'm not being pulled away because the thought that then pulls me away from being present with you means I lose connection from first myself and then from you. So a humor is if you say anything to me and I can't say, you know what, I am that and it's effing great. You know, Andy, you're self-absorbed. I am that. I'm self-absorbed and it's effing great. You know, your father never loved you. My father never loved me and it's effing great. Like, like, so the, the, the harsher it is, it sounds sort of rough to listen to at times because people are just like, oh, this sounds horrible. And, and you're not saying it to make it true. You're saying it to feel a deeper truth underneath it all, where you kind of half laugh, half cry. And then you're just present again. And, and in my life is just staying in this moment of being with you. And if I'm not with you because you say one thing and then my brain pulls me away from our connection, that's just a real miss of an opportunity. And what you'll find in relationship is that once a person is triggered, then they've left the relationship and then they blame the other person for it, which is just the most absurd it's like my trigger that you've created, I blame you for, although it was always my responsibility. And it, and it just pains me to see how much we blame others for those triggers. And the way I see us, to, the way I've learned to navigate and the way I mentor and, and the way, basically, if I work with someone, I tease them for a year. I find their weakest point and I just drill it over and over and over. And what happens is the people know what I'm doing, but they can't help the trigger. And then the trigger comes up, they start to smile and like, oh, wow, I feel it now. Okay, now what's going on? And then, and then, of course, we don't stay in the triggered state. We go into the seer and we say, hey, so what's going on? How are you feeling? Ah, it's, this came up. This is what I'm feeling. And then we're no longer a byproduct of our environment. You know, I can't, it's not like I'm, 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 I'm going to be fine as long as I'm in a group that I'm comfortable with. But you put me in a group I'm not comfortable, then, then all of a sudden I'm not fine anymore. And my life is like, how, how far can we create space where everyone's welcomed in our lives and we're always present to what's going on in the moment because we're not being pulled away because of our prior thoughts or fears or doubts or whatever. So that's a, a nice tool. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. We touch on this concept in our episodes frequently. We're better able to show up as our best selves in relationships when our bodies and minds are in a state of harmony. 
PMS and perimenopause throw a wrench in that whole state of harmony thing. Many women in our community have seen their relationships and their own mental health suffer when PMS and perimenopause symptoms set in. Our sponsor, Happy Mammoth, saw that there was no effective nature-inspired solutions to these issues, so they made one estro control. Relationship advice listeners can now get 15% off your first order on happymammoth.com with our promo code I do at checkout. Estro control is a formula developed by Happy Mammoth, a supplement company dedicated to making women's lives easier. Estro control contains science-backed herbal extracts that help support hormonal health. The way Estro Control eases PMS is pretty interesting. The ingredients help support the liver, and that's where our hormones get processed, especially estrogen. So when estrogen isn't processed well in our liver, women may start having PMS symptoms like spots on the skin, cravings, and feeling low all of a sudden. Estro Control was created to help women feel like themselves throughout the whole month. Estro Control is made specifically for women who are premenopausal. It's really great for perimenopause when hormones start to fluctuate and PMS can become especially rough. PMS has been a constant challenge throughout my life, from feeling down to sleeplessness to just not feeling comfortable in my own skin. PMS has put me through the ringer time and time again, and I know it's not just me. I've seen my relationship suffer in those times when PMS takes over. Estro Control works to relieve many of those consuming PMS symptoms, helping us regain control. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first month at happymammoth.com with the promo code I do at checkout. That's happy, M-A-M-M-O-T-H.com and use the promo code I do for 15% off your first order. I love that. I love actionable tools. And how did you come up with that saying in particular of, and it's, effing great and just the whole idea to say that to release the power of it there was a a wonderful individual who came into my life about a decade ago his name is peter kunick and peter kunick um he's been researching money so this was a derivative of what he calls the money work and the money work is basically it's similar to what i said but a little bit more specific to money because Money is what individuals project onto. So if, say, if I project security onto money, what I'm actually unknowingly saying is I am insecure without money. I don't know I've said it, but I have. So if you say, what's money to you? You say, money, security. So what you've actually said unknowingly is I am insecure without money. So you've taken money and you've taken your security and you've put it into money. And now you can imagine what happens is now somebody with that mindset, what is their relationship with money going to be? So the way that you'd reclaim the relationship is to say, I am insecure without money and it's okay. You actually, you take, you take fully and then, and then you take the, it's like the polarity. You say, I am insecure without money and it's okay. Like instead of fighting against it, I'm just going to make peace with that. And then I'm, I'm secure whether I have money or not. So you, you you play both polarities. You don't just stay with the one. So what you're basically saying is I make money a net neutral in my life regarding security because I've, I've taken it and made peace with the fact that I'm insecure without money. 
I've made peace with the fact that I'm secure whether I have money or not. And now again, I'm with you. So now if you said to me, Andy, you know what? You know, you're insecure without money. I say, huh? I'm out insecure. You know, I have no, no, nothing to defend there. Yeah. So that's the, that, that, that. And I took this work and said, you know what? I love the work around money. I also see the possibility that I'm using it for my relationships because I see I project not on only onto money. I project onto the relationship with my father or the relationship with my mother and so on and so forth. You mentioned triggers and taking responsibility for our triggers. And to me, this is such a big thing that has been helpful to me in all kinds of relationships of if someone is triggered, if I'm triggered, it's bringing the attention back to me and what's going on within me. Or if someone is upset with me, and this is like the other side of it, I'm a people pleaser. I don't think anyone likes people to be upset with them, but it it particularly bothers me. Like people I don't even barely know. And, you know, because I, I surf every morning, that's my morning routine. And I'm always having these interactions with people in the water. And sometimes, you know, it gets crowded and there's infringements. And if someone seems like they're upset with me, I feel this pain in my heart. But I'm yeah. like, wait, that's not about, obviously I can think about my actions, but whatever they're dealing with, that's about them. And it's such a superpower to be able to do that in partnership with your relationships and then also get curious around it. Can you talk a little bit about what you found maybe with yourself or in your work around that and maybe some tools to point the finger to look at ourselves uh, when we're triggered? Yeah, well, a lot of it goes back to what we said. So almost always when the trigger comes up, I'll say, what's the hardest thing for me to say? And and if I can't get there, I know I'm just a byproduct of my environment. And and if I don't feel tears, I know I'm not there yet. It's got to be, it's not like a, so to keep away from my emotion. If there's a trigger there, there's an underlying belief. There's something deep, deep inside me that I could say, I don't feel seen. I don't feel loved. I don't feel appreciated, you know? And, And of course, if we allow that voice to be okay, right? I don't feel appreciated by this person. Then then all of a sudden, whatever I do after I've made peace with the thought that I'm not being appreciated with them, I'm now going to be in connection with them. Imagine if I don't feel appreciated by you. And then all of a sudden I do a contorted like, so Chase, um, you know, I don't know if you really see me. I don't know if you understand what I was going through back then. I really, you can hear the voice, the you can sense this sort of person that's half irritated. Take the other side. Chase, yeah. You know, it's funny. I see, I feel uncomfortable and I don't really know how to move through it, but help me understand what, what did you mean when you said that? So in one version of the other version, you will sense on a very subtle level, either I really want to know or screw you and I need to hold you accountable for what I'm feeling. And, 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 and the only way I know to get to this softer version is to make peace with the thought or the interpretation I made so it doesn't bleed into our interactions. I love that. And I love that. What's the hardest thing I could say of like, I feel hurt if I'm not loved by this person and that's okay. And, and it's such a beautiful 
practice. I'm I, I'm just thinking of this morning that I I had an instance where I cannot go to the surf, but it was someone that. I've had lots of interactions with over the years and there's a tension between us and I feel like he's got an issue with me and I don't know what it is, but it's been a thing. And we actually got out of the water at the same time and we're passing and I'm like, you know what? I, I want to try to like be a positive force in the world. And I just walked up and I said, hey, there's a tension between us and I don't want to have that. So I just want to let you know that whatever's there, like we don't have to figure it out. But it was basically like me saying, it's okay, I'm cool. But I, I noticed in me that it was like, he wasn't quite there. And, and I wanted to like yeah, change yeah. his mind or like, and it was interesting because he kind of dug in. I think he was receptive to it, but he, he was more of the along the lines of like, yeah, there's tension and this is why. And he gave me these reasons of surf related. I won't bore you with it. Like over years and in retrospect, I'm thinking like, that's about him. Clearly, this this dude is holding on to something that's a year old. And then I notice in me, like I'm trying to win him over. But it's like, that's his journey. And that's okay. And that's what I needed to remind myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, go, but like, let, let's take a step back in that interaction, right? I mean, let's agree that however you interacted, I, I would have used different wording, by the way, because even like adding tension almost adds tension. I would say, you know, I would have been more like, hey... I want to make sure things are good. Is there anything or, you know, was there any way in which uh, I can kind of uh, support our uh, contact going forward or like almost like like not introduce anything that wasn't spoken about? But but doesn't matter because he interacted with you from some level of trust. So for whatever you created worked. So let's agree on that. Like it worked. Because because the way he interacted with you, he was authentic, and and I and I love when people are pissed with me. It's like the most <laughs> authentic thing. They they, I, they trust me enough to to vent. I mean, how great is what you created? Now through the venting, the humor is is I don't care what they say. I honestly don't care. For the same reasons of what you just uh, just shared, it's. It's not about who's right, who's wrong. You might have done something stupid a year ago that you weren't aware of. I mean, who cares? Who effing cares, right? But by by creating the space for him to vent and and not and not defending, not saying, hey, you know, you're wrong because I I, I didn't do that, or just saying, oh yeah, that's terrible. I can understand why you would be pissed at me. I mean, what have you done now? You just taken all of his energy, just this balloon that built up over two years, is like it fizzles down because he he can't be angry at somebody who's being authentically vulnerable with you. You know, it's harder to be. Let's be that. You can be angry at anybody you want, yeah, but it's harder. Yeah. It gets harder. So congratulations to you. You did the best. You did the best. I don't see you celebrating enough. I want you to say, damn, I did it. That's exactly the only thing I need. Because if you needed anything more from him, then you were screwed. Because then your happiness is dependent on somebody else. And that's a dangerous place to be. Yes. The, the happiness for me comes from, wow, I'm taking full responsibility in every aspect of my life. And that's when I get to say, I'm proud of who you are, meaning the person I am. Yes. Yeah. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Thank you. Yeah, I will take that win or, you know, I will take that. But it, it is interesting how you're breaking it down. And yeah, like I could have said a few things differently and that's okay. And that's great. Yeah. <laughs> as, as you're exactly. saying, I, I want to ask you, how do you work towards getting towards a place where you don't 
care what they say. Cause I know in me in these instances, because I, I noticed this morning I got defensive. He, I went up and he's like, well, this is why. And da, 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 da. And I wanted to be like, you know, it, it's ridiculous. Like, okay, man. You so, wanna... <laughs> so like, let's go chase. So, so like, I mean, can I just, can, can we go into like a more intimate uh, yes. situation between two of us? This totally. Is, so like, so like, uh, let's not do you. Let's do me. I let, let just just because I feel like this permission that I don't want to like overstep any boundaries yet. Um, my dad was utterly verbally abusive, and he also would say over and over again, "You're never going to be enough. You're never going to be enough. You're never going to be enough." To me, right? And in different shapes and forms. I graduated from university, and he said. You know, that diploma and a dollar will get you a cup of coffee. Like that was the, that was the, the amount of, of, of celebration. So regardless of how far I come in my life, there's always going to be an inner child who never feels like he's enough. It doesn't matter how old I get. Like a great example is the last book, the connection playbook, right? It did really well. 800 copies in two weeks. Literary reviews, Kirkus said it was a must read. It was a dream come true on so many levels. And you know what? I just felt like I wanted to cry day after day. I just felt like it was, and I can cry now even. I'd given up on the idea that I was going to be appreciated or recognized. I did it for me. So I'd so far given up on the idea that I'm ever going to be celebrated because I, I you know, I don't want that to, to expect it because if I expect it and it doesn't happen, then I'm going to be disappointed. So yeah, what do we do? We just say, it's never going to happen. And that's an easy way to protect ourselves. So now I'm getting praise. My, and now you think you'd be really ecstatically happy about all this, but I just sat with a sadness of, wow, I didn't even realize that I'd given up on it. I didn't realize that. And so what did I have to do? I had to say, Andy, you know, you're, it was a great book and it's okay. You know, you have been doing a great job and it's okay. You know, your dad did appreciate you all those years. You weren't able to see it and that's okay. You know, and, and I could go on. He loved the fact that you did a book you know, even if you threw him under the bus in the book, he'd love the fact that you did it and you succeeded and that's okay. And that's when I keep connecting deeper and deeper to that underwell of emotion that's always there. So for you, now I've revealed that the question is, where is that for you? And now I feel like I'm more comfortable asking you because I've done myself. <laughs> oh, I'm happy to share. Yeah, no, as you're saying, uh, it, it's similar that I have been trying to unpack this feeling of not being enough. A lot of it was wrapped up in perfectionism in sports, trying to live up to my father's acceptance, you know, and, and it's all levels. My dad is not a bad guy, but there was a certain level of pressure that I felt. And yeah, and understanding that as an adult and realizing that it it is interesting how it's, I don't want to say always, but it's been there. And this practice of, of like you're saying is so valuable. And even this morning, as I'm recounting this and, and thinking I was proud of myself, but then I was like, oh, I got defensive. But if in this moment, like right now of saying, and that's okay, like Chase, you you went up to him and you were open and vulnerable and you didn't do it perfect by the book and that's okay. And by the way, I, I want to go back to that because I'm worried about something. I'm yes. not worried. You actually have the best opportunity to go back to him right now because the next time you see him, I would go right up to him and say, you know what? 
I sat with it and actually I never apologized for all the things you said. And I just want you to know I'm really sorry about all of it. That's a hard one. <laughs> As, yeah, but that's yeah. it. I know, I know. So in this particular instance, and again, this is my ego and we can use my example, but how can we do that? Is it necessary for someone who's like on the peripheral of our life? Like, okay, Chase, Chase, I'm not, I'm going to, I'm smacking you right now. Smacking you. So, Tell so me. The, the only reason why you don't do that is because there's an egoic thing going on. Totally. You're like, I can't do it. And I would say for that reason and that reason alone, I want you to go up to him and almost kiss his feet and say, oh, my God, I am so sorry. Uh, like, actually, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I was defending and you had really good point. I just got I just felt like I just wanted to, like, protect myself. But honestly, I'm just so sorry. If You know, if you can forgive me, I'd appreciate it. If not, I totally understand. Like, like if that if that's the level which you can leave your ego at the door, think about the freedom that comes with that. God. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like where you're most triggered or where there, there's most pain. Like that's where you want to look. And as you're saying that, and I'm imagining, it, I'm like, hell no, like this dude does not <laughs> deserve that, but I'm totally want to work towards yeah. my higher self. I'll ask you. So yeah, this morning he did kind of come with his grievances and I said, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry you felt that way. And then I started to defend myself. So I, your point is taken. What would you tell me or someone listening with their own situation, which is a common one where we think that we're in the right or that we've said what we need to say? How can I come to terms with, I don't say like taking the higher road or work towards that? Yeah, I don't even want you to think it's the higher road because yeah. that's going to get you stuck again. I know. Is that whatever he said to you, he was right. <laughs> Whatever the hell he said to you, you you cut me off. You you come late. You act like you own the place. Yeah. You know, like all of it, <laughs> like like he gives all of it to you. And then you get to say, oh, I am all those things and it's OK. Now, imagine <laughs> if you made peace with every single accusation. Imagine that. Now you're just present with this guy like, wow, I'm really sorry you feel that way. That sucks. You know, I'm sorry that I gave you that feeling all these years. That's it. Now, the, the problem that I see you have is you've gotten stuck in the idea, but he doesn't see, but he doesn't understand, but if he only knew, right? And, and the humor is that's, again, just your ego fighting for dear life to be seen. And then, of course, it's some manifestation with dad. So this, this idiot now becomes your father because now all of a sudden you're like, no, 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 but my dad never saw me. And this guy, he's got, you know, like, so you're, and so the best part is that guy's giving you the gift of seeing where you haven't made peace within yourself. He's like giving you the greatest gift. And then when you give that the love, it's, a, it's like the most beautiful moment. It's like, wow, I can finally love that part of me. And if you can love that part of you, you can love your dad. And if you can love your dad, then you can thank this guy for giving you a gift that you never imagined would come from this guy. Yeah, yeah. And that's just for me, beauty. That's life when life gets beautiful. It is beautiful. And yeah, I, I appreciate 
the the insight in this example. And that's why I love surfing, actually. It's fun to do, but I, I'd say it's my greatest teacher because from a social and psychological standpoint, there's, for me in particular, there's there's lots of interactions. There's lots of unpacking for me. And it's kind of like this microcosm of like society, but you're forced into this area in the water and you're having all these interactions with some people you know, some you don't that I wouldn't otherwise have nearly as often. So I, I recognize that. And, and yeah, you're totally right. And there is this element of, of wanting to be liked and wanting to say, oh, no, like you think that, but you don't know me. And this is why I do that. And I have had moments in, in my own head of saying, yeah, I'm aggressive in the water and I like to catch waves and that's okay. Like that's who I am. I want to be also aware of that. And maybe along those lines, where would you tell me or someone listening to think about taking input and, and loving ourselves and saying that's okay? And then when do we want to think about trying to change a behavior? So I would, again, kind of going back to if I've accepted I'm okay with that part of me. That doesn't mean I don't change it. In fact, it's more likely that I change it because I'm no longer defending. Like if you say, stop being that way. I'm not that way. I'm not that way. And usually when, when we say I'm not that way, I'm validating the point the person tried to make to begin with. You know, you're not defensive. What do you mean? I'm, I'm you know, you're defensive. I'm not defensive. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's just a gorgeous humor of life where you're like so if you say i'm defensive and it's okay i'm defensive and it's okay what you've done is like again you've softened the voice in your head and now imagine if you feel the defensiveness coming up and you no longer need to be defensive because you've already made peace with that you're no longer as defensive so the the Irony is by admitting that I'm defensive, making total peace with the fact that I'm defensive, I'll be less defensive. I love it. Admitting that you're never going to be appreciated by, by your father, right? I'm making this stuff up, by the way. Let's just go great. But you're never going to be seen. You're never going to be recognized. You're never going to be. Imagine the next time when, you, when you're with him and he dismisses your surfing and says, well, when are you going to do something real with your life and stop spending all the time on the water or whatever the thing is? And then, and then you feel the love and you're like, yeah, dad, you're right. Yeah. Just, just that's the feeling. And then, and then, and then you move through it so quickly, you're back to just whatever was also there that no defense. Yeah. I mean, I, the, one of the stories I related and uh, kind of maybe all my books is my dad would always call my mom the C word. They got divorced when I was 10 and he was just nasty. You know, I talked, talked about his verbal abuse, but so he would always speak poorly of my mom, who I always like deified. She was like a saint in my head. And so whenever he said your mom was a C, I can guarantee you we wouldn't speak for five. The max was 10 years because because when there would be the fight, you know, I'd want to defend. She wasn't that. How could you say that? I was very, very defensive of this, you know, this uh, for me, sacred bond with my mother who was dead. And she's, you know, the saint in my head and so on. So when um, when I went through my own process, right, and made peace with kind of every thought, every idea, you know, I say that, you know, generously, there's always going to be new ideas that come in. But we sat at a park bench. She visited me in Amsterdam after not, us not speaking for 10 years. And he said, your mom was a real C. You know, that was his thing, you know. And 
I looked at him, no charge anymore, because there was nothing in me that needed to argue or defend. And I just said, you know, she died, you know, 20 years ago. Well, what, what's going on? What, what, what makes you, you know, keep bringing her up? And he just started to cry. So we went from a fight to like the most intimate, connected space where I had to hug him to mourn what he felt like he didn't, wasn't able to like have achieved with my, with my mom, his, his ex-wife, of course. And, and the difference was that I didn't need anything from him anymore. Thank you for sharing that. And, and that point of, of curiosity in response is so valuable in, in these kind of tension-built interactions and, and as an antidote to defensiveness. So, Andy, I, I appreciate you sharing. I appreciate you breaking down my my morning uh, interaction. Yeah. I can't wait to, <laughs> to apologize to this guy. I say that half-heartedly, but I understand it's yeah. my... That's my work. And yeah, I'm up, I'm up to the task. So yeah, I really appreciate this conversation. Before we wrap up, can you tell our listeners where they can find you online, where they can find your new book, and then we'll say goodbye. Yes. So you can find everything at uh, my name. So www.andychaleff.com. And uh, if you search for The Connection Playbook, that's available everywhere you can get books. And uh, yeah, it's uh, really been doing well. So I'm really grateful for that. Well, we will have those links in our show notes and on our website. And thanks for taking the time to come on the show today. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for tuning into today's episode. As always, all the links to the guest as well as any of their recommendations will be in the show notes page. You can find the link to that in the episode description or by going to idopodcast.com. Click on the podcast tab up at the top and you will have access to all the episodes that we've ever done. There are over 300 of them. Uh, and while you're on our website, if you haven't checked out our free 14-day happy couple challenge, we really hope you do. It's a free email challenge that we send to you. It's 14 days of fun, easy, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And if you're looking for something that provides a little more help with working on your relationship, whether it's improving intimacy or communication with your partner or just bringing the spark back, we would love for you guys to check out our online course, Spark My Relationship. We're offering $100 off to all of our listeners if you go to sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. We've worked with over 15 psychologists and therapists to create the real life tools and strategies that they are teaching their clients. So we wanted to give them to you. It's a self-paced online course that can be done in as little as a month or up to three months. You can really decide how much or how little you want to do with your partner or maybe just yourself. So we hope you guys check that out. It's sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. Have a great day. You were listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.